Macworld Podcast number 267 for Wednesday, October 19th, 2011. Hello again, everyone. I'm Philip Michaels, host of the Macworld Podcast. We're coming to you a week after iOS 5 uh, has hit uh, the virtual retail shelves. We've had an entire week to play with it, to form our opinions, to share some uh, thoughts with you. And that's precisely what we're going to do. Um, And joining me is a panel of iOS experts headed by the man who, frankly, we should just turn the podcast over to him and have him read the review, and then um, you'll be this podcast will be ten hours long. <laughs> it's uh, senior associate editor Dan Morin. Hello, Dan. Hi, Phil. I've prepared a short manifesto. Uh huh. Do you, Do you have any words left to say about iOS five, or is it? Just... And actually, the worst part is that I don't. Know, I no longer have those words because they're now on paper somewhere. So I honestly don't remember anything about iOS five. It's a complete blank. Well, then, then this will be an informative podcast for you as well as our listeners. Uh, also joining us, um, a man who's been doing a lot of uh, up close and personal looks at each of the individual iOS five features. That would be uh, staff writer Lex Friedman. Hello. Lex. Hello there. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're, we're, we're happy to have you. And um, a man who's really contributed nothing to our iOS 5 coverage because he was, he was reviewing the iPhone 4S. Which he, runs iOS 5, which, I'll have you know, which, sir. Yes. And so he can, can give a perspective on that, although you've already really talked about the yes. iPhone. No, nobody wants to hear me talk about the iPhone 4S anymore. No. Uh, it's editorial director Jason Snell. Hello. As frequent listeners of the Macworld J- Jason, podcast. Jason, could you just put Siri on instead of you? Because I think that might be... That might be really interesting. I'd I like to hear what she thinks. I don't have the 4S with me, though. I've given it away to the lab. The Macworld lab has taken my phone. It's sad. Mm. We'll never the see The things I do for, me- for media, for journalism. So, speaking of the things we do, we have been looking at iOS 5. That's a terrible transition. <laughs> but Professional podcasting. But iOS 5... Uh, a, a pretty good-looking update. Is that our assessment? Let's let's start with uh, the the man who who rolled up his sleeves and and spent so much time with it, Dan Morin. I'm I'm up to my elbows in in iOS five grease and oil. Yes, uh, no, it's it is definitely as I said, it's definitely the most ambitious update that that Apple has ever produced. There is very little in iOS that is not somehow affected by the iOS five update. Uh, a lot of this falls under this category of what Apple deemed the PC-free features, which are these ideas of, like, let's let's allow people to use their iOS devices as their only device if they don't already have a computer. So now you can walk into a store, uh, buy an iPad, and just set it up and go without ever tethering it to iTunes. And as a result, they've had to patch a lot of features that depended on having iTunes, uh, things like... Uh, adding and deleting photo albums or managing your mailboxes or uh, deleting music and videos. All this stuff, they've sort of exposed a whole bunch of it in functionality to let people really work with their iOS devices as uh, a totally standalone uh, object. So I think that's that's sort of a, a really far-reaching aspect of this update that's, that's uh, almost affected – Everything. Um, and so, so let me just interrupt you there. Please do. If Mac OS X Lion was the was the back to the Mac update, uh, iOS five is the forget about your Mac update because <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see. You don't you don't need one. You don't need a Mac anymore or a PC. You just need an iPad and love. Mm-hmm. 
have you had a chance really to 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 try out the 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 PC free features? And obviously, the the one of the the big marquee bits is the over the air updates. And there's you you yes. you do have to plug in uh, to get the initial download of iOS. Right, 5. right. So you won't you won't be able to take advantage of that until Apple releases a subsequent update. Which, <clears throat> if you read my entire review, you will hope is soon because there are there are a decent number of small bugs and weirdness in iOS five as well. So mm-hmm. we will presumably get to test that at some point in the not too distant future. Okay. Uh, Lex Friedman, you've spent some time with uh, with iOS 5. What are your initial impressions? Well, I had the uh, the helpful experience, I think, of you know using some of the early iOS 5 betas during that process, while my wife's iPhone 4 stayed on iOS 4. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I was really able to appreciate, anytime I had to use my wife's phone for something, how much better iOS 5 really was. And it's truly, you know, once you've used iOS 5, everything before it, I think, feels kind of antiquated. Uh, of special note to me is is the uh, the significant improvement to notifications. And that had been a, a real burden to me, I think, in the iOS 4 era, where as more and more apps could trigger local and network notifications for all kinds of push alerts, it was a constant interruption as you use your device. Uh, you know, people playing turns and games, mentions on Twitter, emails, text messages, whatever it was, it was just a constant interruption where you had to keep dismissing that modal blue dialogue box that popped up. So I am very, very pleased with iOS 5's notifications revamp. You know, you, you don't get interrupted anymore because they just float down as those banners. You don't have to worry about missing one because you unlock your iPhone before you see that there was a message there and you'll never knew, know what it was. That's gone since notification centers there stacking up all of your old received alerts. And the lock screen actually became useful. So it's it was a dream come true for me because I literally dreamt that notifications would start sucking less. And indeed, they did. It, 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 your, your point about uh, uh, going back to iOS 4 after testing iOS 5 is – is well taken because I've got um, um, for work many different devices running many different versions of operating systems, and sometimes I'll be um, using one device and and I'll go oh I'll I'll use the the, the great um, camera feature where you you tap the home button twice when the when the, the the phone is asleep and the camera icon pops up and you can go straight to the camera and then I'll realize that I'm using a device that runs iOS four and I'll be I'll be angry and sad for a moment just hur- <laughs> just hurl that phone to the ground it really gets out that cathartic feeling exactly and and it's durable too so uh, Jason your uh, your thoughts about iOS five uh, after after getting a chance to use it on uh, iPhone 4S and other devices. Yeah, the, the I think it's good. I think that Dan and, and Lex have really hit some sort of the most important features, which is uh, you know the notification stuff and the PC free stuff. Um, those are those are both huge, and they're tied into sort of what Apple's doing with iCloud, where there's a an expectation of a of a certain you know because it's free with the device everybody can have iCloud and so Apple can assume that you have iCloud and use it for stuff like backing up i think the wi-fi syncing where if you are syncing your media or some other information from your computer that that happens um, just automatically over Wi-Fi. You don't have to go to the computer and plug it in, I think is great. And then the, the iCloud backup, I think, is a fantastic feature. So you basically turn it on. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to go to the computer. So it is a PC-free feature, but in and of itself, 
you know, such a great thing that you don't have to think about backing it up. And then if your phone dies, you can restore over the over the internet from that backup, and it works pretty darn well. So I think all the the kind of cloud features that are being rolled in now that they have this assumption, they 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 know that you can have access to it. They're not going to charge you a hundred dollars a year for it. I think that makes iOS five a lot richer than it than it otherwise would be. There, you're totally right, and I think part of that also is that. Uh, the, the sort of the best experience to date with an iOS device has often been if you pay the extra money for MobileMe because then you get your over-the-air contact syncing, your calendars, your you know all that stuff is already set up for you, and that was the, the, the stuff that often made it feel very magical. Was oh, I change you know a contact in my address book on my Mac, and it poof, it shows up on my on my iPhone. But uh, a lot of people didn't have access to that because they didn't want to spend the extra money, and so it's kind of a no-brainer for them to make this you know at least that basic level of it free, and so that they can increase how much the, all the devices they can you know all the devices can do now. Now, for the benefit of the home listener, what uh, parts of iCloud that are of relevance to iOS 5 or iOS device owners. What parts are free and what parts do you have to um, to pay up to take advantage of? It's almost all free. I think the only mm-hmm. thing that they're charging for is if you want extra storage mm-hmm. beyond the 5 gigabytes, right. which has some – it doesn't cover your movies and or TV shows and music and stuff like that, but it covers the, the backup, for example. Right. Um, and then if you pay for iTunes in the cloud, which is coming out at the end of the iTunes month. iTunes Match. Or iTunes Match, that's right. iTunes in the cloud is free. iTunes Match, for the stuff you didn't buy on iTunes, uh, you have to pay what, yeah, what, $25 what, a year. Let's let's talk, distinguish between what iTunes in the cloud and iTunes Match is, if, if you could. Well, iTunes knows what you bought. So if, what you bought from iTunes. So music you bought from iTunes, you can re-download. And TV shows you bought from iTunes, you can re-download. So they are kind of permanently in the cloud and you don't get charged extra for that. Um, iTunes Match scans your entire library and matches it with what iTunes has and uh, lets basically lets you download any song from your music library anywhere on any device you've got that's tied into iTunes Match. But that's not out yet. So that that's that's coming. And, but the rest of it, you know, calendar syncing, everything Dan said, calendar syncing and and uh, uh, email and and all of this contact syncing, bookmark syncing, all of this stuff um, is just now a fundamental part of the Mac and iOS experience, where it'll all just sort of sync together, I, I and you was, don't have to pay. Uh, I was kind of noting as a as a former MobileMe subscriber, you know, you paid your hundred bucks a year and you got all these features, which you know it wasn't bad. It worked out to like less than ten bucks a month. Uh, but I was noticing that, you know, with a little extra storage and iTunes match, uh, it's still su- substantially less than you paid for a mobile me account. And I argue greater value. I mean, like, I think for the most part, a lot of people will be fine with five gigs. But I think if you, uh, you quickly realize if you have more than one iOS device and want to back them both up to the cloud, that you're going to start running into that five gig wall pretty quickly, especially if you want to use anything else. You know, this but- is very interesting to me to hear you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about iCloud. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think the only part that I'm very, very fired up on is iTunes Match, because I've been using Google as my virtual iTunes cloud for the time being. You know, Google is what syncs my contacts instead of Mobile Me, and it syncs my email and contacts and phone numbers and all that good stuff between devices and my calendar too. So I don't have to. I, I'm not switching any of those to iCloud yet, since Google's already doing it for me, and they're doing it for free, and it's been working. So I don't see a, a motivation to change it. They're, they're more, evil, Lex. That's true, uh, but as am I. Uh, you know, I'm more excited to see uh, how developers are going to start integrating iCloud into their apps so that we can get away from the unholy mess that is iTunes file sharing. Um, because if 
and honestly, the one piece of iCloud that I found disappointing today is it's up to each developer to implement it individually. So if, if a developer is going to, you know, allow you to store your files in the cloud so that you can, in iCloud, so that you can access them from all of your iOS devices, or in, you know, for example, with uh, Apple's pages, you should soon be able to save a document on your Mac in pages and it'll be available via iCloud on your iPad or iPhone as well. I wish Apple were actually making that even easier for developers, Dropbox style, where it was just a universally available uh, repository of files that I'm cloud syncing uh, so that I don't have to wait for each individual developer to implement it. But unfortunately, that's not how it goes. Well, and there's also there are security concerns there as well. I think they want to avoid too much of developers being able to access any of your other files willy nilly. Like they still have that sandboxed approach for security. Right. And of course, there are parts of um, parts of Mobile Me that will be going away. The um, the web page hosting uh, for starters. Uh, what else is yeah, going away? Uh, Keychain access the, syncing. Keychain key syncing, preference uh-huh. syncing, uh, widget dashboard widget syncing. A lot of nice little features, but I think you know Apple's clearly trying to streamline what they offer, and they're also trying to bring. Uh, you know, aspects of iOS, and they're trying to like focus down on the lowest common denominator stuff that is applicable for both the iOS and Mac devices. So you don't, I mean, there is no dashboard widgets, you know, on your iOS device. Right. Um, I do think having something like keychain syncing is a, is kind of a missed opportunity because anyone who's like gone to their iPhone and been like, oh, I need to remember what all my passwords are. <laughs> yeah. Although I think you could argue the other side of it, which is this is not necessarily something that Apple needs to do. If Does Apple want to stomp on the third parties here? Because I have no doubt that there'll be an iCloud enabled version of one password that syncs among iOS and and uh, your Mac automatically instead of using Dropbox, which is what it does now. And at that point, yeah, Apple could come in there, but I'm not sure whether they they need to. I don't I don't think they care necessarily about stopping on people if they feel like it's good yeah, for them. Yeah, but I, I think I just they will don't, do it. But. Sure, but I, I I I'm not sure that that is something that Apple really cares about. That, that I don't know. Keychain because there is no keychain right in in iOS. I mean, they there, there is autofill in? for passwords. Yeah. I mean, there is a system that remembers your passwords. I find it kind of bizarre that they didn't unify those things but maybe they will maybe they won't maybe and i'm sure we'll have um uh more as we get closer to that 2012 shutoff date for a lot of mobile me features at macworld.com about transitioning out of that and finding alternatives uh, getting back to ios 5 then i wanted to do a whip around the table and uh, uh sort of talk about uh what everyone's favorite feature was in the update let's start with you jason well they took all my favorite features i don't know what you're talking about mm-hmm. the notifications is is great and mm-hmm. and uh, uh pc free is great I, I i don't know what to say i mean we i feel like we already we already covered it let me make something up but jason there's so much yeah the, the, did, did you not read the the eight million word review that dan when there are so many features that you could that you he could spent highlight. an hour he's a third of the way through the review I, I, yeah i did I, I i mean yeah i really don't know i mean i okay fine notifications are good that's great. I like notifications. Okay, that's all you had to say. All right, this is We already talked about that. that yeah, and, and now we and now we've mentioned is this, yeah, is this notifications sort of, are are is this some sort of gotcha happy. podcast. This is not a gotcha <laughs> podcast. When do I lose points? <sighs> the, so, I, I you know, think, I think you've already lost as, them. As a publisher, um, the newsstand features are interesting. Although I have some frustrations with them, in that it's really Apple punting on supporting publishers by saying, "Right, nap." 
to our specification instead of saying here's a store, you know, here's a system where you can put in your issues and then they're available. Uh, they didn't want to do that, so everybody has to go out and, and pay for an app to to do this. But the po- the positive side for users is that if you subscribe to a magazine or a newspaper on your iPad or your iPhone with newsstand, you can automatically uh, have stuff download in the background. So when you wake up in the morning and want to read the newspaper, it's already there instead of having to launch the newspaper app and then wait for it to laboriously load an entire issue. So that, I guess, would be the feature that I'd call I got, I got a little pop-up today from the New York Times app telling me, mysteriously, the New York Times app has moved. It's now a newsstand. Now a newsstand, <laughs> like, yes. Thanks for telling me, Now, why, why create a, a newsstand? It's, it's really more of a folder than an app. Uh, it is a folder, I, yeah. a magic folder. A magic folder. Why, why create that as opposed to just uh, uh, creating a, a magazines and periodical section of uh, the iBookstore? I think they wanted to provide an organizing principle and they wanted to have this ability to uh, display the current issue uh, to show off a cover or front page of a a magazine or newspaper so that um, it would have that kind of experience that you'd have on a newsstand where a cover would catch your eye and you'd be like, oh, yeah, the new issue has come. And, you know, it wraps – when you're in that magic folder, you get some extra features of your app too. And and I I think consider that as an app, there's a lot of things that a publication can do that they can't do in an ebook. Right. There's a lot of interactive functionality that they can't necessarily take advantage of. So and and a lot of publishers already have apps versus having ebooks. So it makes a lot of sense to sort of ease the transition. And and there's no way to uh, is, is there any way to get it off your home screen or can you hide no. it? No. You, can you even hide Enjoy it in the, the folder? No. No, because it's a folder itself. It, it's a, it is a folder. Oh. That would cause any sort of there's some sort of space-time rupture. Cuz I I don't have any subscriptions and having this icon that's empty staring up at me is very uh very awkward. I get, I get the sneaking suspicion that some subsequent 5.01 update is going to give you a, 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 an option in the general settings to turn that folder off if you don't or want to Or a understand. free subscription to some magazine that Apple makes. Mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a Winnie the Pooh periodical. Apple can contact us if they'd like to talk about terms of putting Macworld on every every iPad. They sure. Just ring me up. That would be I'm ter- in the book. That would be terrific. <laughs> I'm not in the book. <laughs> hey, we're talking about favorite features. I think. Uh, are we? Yeah. I oh. got a little far afield there. Lex Friedman, what's your favorite feature? Don't, well, say, don't my... say notifications. We've covered that. <laughs> well, uh, if, if, okay. So I will be dishonest then because far and away my favorite feature really is the new notifications. What's your, but... Lex, <laughs> Lex, what's your second favorite feature? I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would say it's – I'm going a little broad here. But I think my second favorite feature is improvements to several – already existing iOS apps. The ones that I'm specifically thinking of here are Safari and the Messages app. Now, with Safari, just the addition of tab browsing to the iPad alone was very, very exciting to me because I find that much more convenient to switch between pages than it is with you with the old, you know, boxes approach. Uh, so literally having tabs that can look just like tabs in Safari on the desktop, I find very pleasing and makes working in things much quicker. And as Dan highlighted in his review the ability in Safari to hold down a link and say, open in a background tab instead of, you know, taking your focus away from the tab you're on and then going back to the one you're on. I find that very useful. I can now do much more web surfing on my iPad without going crazy than I could do uh, in the pre iOS five days. And I also want to just call out iMessage, which I thought was a little bit, I mean, it's BlackBerry has already created something much like iMessage. iMessage, of course, is iOS 5's iOS device to iOS device messaging protocol. It lets you do 
text and picture messaging just like you can with your cell phone, but without using your cell phone's data plan. Um, and it works on the iPad too. But you know, what I thought it was going to be a little bit more mundane, I've actually been very pleased with how well it works. Uh, I like that if, if you text me or if you iMessage me to my email address, it syncs to both of my devices. So whether I'm on my phone or my iPad, I can see this messages and reply to them. I, I think they did it, they did it very well with a characteristic, uh, approach to detail or attention to detail. And, um, I've been very pleased with how that works. Dan, I don't know if there's any features left over now to talk about, but do you do you have a? F- oh, are there features, Phil? Do you have a favorite uh, feature that you would like to uh, to highlight? Uh, I think. I mean, I think. I think Jason and Lex have covered a lot of the really marquee features, so I'll pick one that's a little uh, a little more off the beaten path. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Wi-Fi syncing that is enabled by iTunes uh, 10.5 and iOS 5. So now instead of plugging in your device uh, and having it transfer all your music and media. Etc. Over to your uh, from your computer to your iOS device. As whenever you plug your device in, say you plug it into charge at night, it will sync over Wi-Fi all your stuff without ever having to plug it into your computer. Now, I really like this because I often used to forget to plug stuff into my computer. I mean, I would have my phone. I realized, oh yeah, I have that new song on it, um, and so I have to remember to go and plug it in. But now it's just it's all automatic, and all this sort of syncing stuff. It's it's part of sort of a larger. Uh, idea we talked a little bit about iCloud, but not just iCloud, but this whole idea of you know not needing to plug your stuff into your computer ever. Um, and I think having that Wi-Fi sync is a, is really nice because it felt like oh I can get all my contacts and my email and my calendar stuff without ever plugging it in. I, I really just don't want to plug it in, you know. And and so to get all those fill in all those other little gaps is really really nice. I I've remembered one other feature that I like, Phil. And since I lied before, this one I think can tie with notifications for my my true favorite iOS five feature. And it gets no love, not even really from from Dan Morn in his review, Whoa. but. I find that uh, iOS's autocorrection is much improved in iOS 5, and it's, uh, it's a lot smarter than it used to be, and I think we're going to see overall a general downward trend in embarrassing autocorrection failures. Uh, the biggest change that I've noted is that it's now contextually aware, uh, so it'll autocorrect words that are legitimate and that are normal conversational everyday words, but that don't make sense as the part of speech or in the place in your sentence where you've tapped them out. And uh, I think that's very smart. You almost don't even notice it because it happens so quickly now, but I, I think that you're going to start noticing that you're tapping, tap typing faster than you had been before because of how I, will, uh, I agree with that and noticed in particular that it's much better at determining when you've accidentally jammed two words together. Yes. Um, I noticed that, especially on my iPad, where for some reason the space bar is just sometimes tricky to hit. And so I'll, you know, I'll be typing away and look up and realize, oh, I glued those two words together because I didn't hit space right in the right spot. It's now much better at recognizing, oh, you typed two words. You meant to, you meant to type them not together. And it can do that with three and four word strings. And it can do it if you put the wrong letter in between instead of a space. I just, it's I just don't type with spaces anymore. I've, I've discerned it's too slow. <laughs> and you can also do your own auto. Uh, autocorrect or expansion uh, things in the in the library too. So if you type a couple of letters, you can say you know brb, always out, auto expand out to be right back, and it'll it'll do it. Which is something previously you'd have to use text expander and then only use apps that supported it, which didn't right. include any of Apple's. And now that's a system wide feature. So it's yeah, an, it's better when you're typing things. Now that Apple's unveiled nice the system to talk instead of typing, they've made typing better. <laughs> <laughs> typing is obsolete, but just in case you still need a keyboard, I, I you cannot believe excuse for a human being. I cannot believe anyone has not mentioned the split keyboard in in the ipad i i kind of dig the split keyboard i i did mention it in my review but um i because i well I, we're not reading the review now are we dan 
I mean, I don't have that kind of time. Read a short selection. Um, No, I mean, before Apple introduced the iPad um, in 2010, I wrote a piece about text entry and what it would look like, and it ended up looking like pretty much like the iPhone, right? Um, Yes. Good job. Yeah. Thanks. Bravo. uh, that was that was like a fifteen hundred. No words Stradamus. I'll tell you, I would like this to split is becoming the most more. hostile podcast. <laughs> Actually, ever. is this not an episode of Pundit Showdown? Because <laughs> yeah, it's starting to feel like. Yeah. It. Okay. Anyways, I, I was. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I was. Just, I just want to say though that um, the split keyboard to me would be better if it were a little bit smarter. I like the idea, and you can drag it up and put it wherever you want, and it it makes thumb typing in both orientations I think a lot easier. But I only want to use it in say, uh, portrait mode and not in landscape. But you turn it on and then it's there everywhere. And sometimes there are some apps that I'd want to use it and some apps that I wouldn't want to use it. And so I wish I could set it on a per orientation and or per app basis and you cannot. And thus I find it disappointing. Well, but but it's pretty easy to adjust. I mean, you can just drag it to wherever you want it on the screen. And I think yeah, but it's just like with my car. If my wife adjusts the seat, then I have to do it. And you know, once that's not annoying, but doing it every single day is very annoying. Okay. I'm, I'm not I mean, having marital trouble. Don't worry. He's just calling you annoying, Dan. Mm. Uh, this really is the most awesome. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good heavens. Um, I'm sorry. I wrote a really long review. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say a few nice words about Game Center and try and get us back on a loving, feeling, touchy, feely kind of track here. Oh, this is gonna go well. No, Game Center. You know, I never used Game Center before. I thought it was kind of useless. I thought it was kind of uh, symptomatic of Apple not really getting games. Apple not really carrying it. Apple saying, "Gosh, people seem to like using our devices to play games." We ought to do something about that. And so they, they threw out Game Center in iOS 4.1 or whatever the, the version was that it appeared on. And, you know, I, I had like one or two friends but never really did anything with it. Now they, they've added some features that make it easier to find friends. They added some features that make it easier to compare how you're doing in various games and to find games. And it's not an ideal um uh, 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 service and it doesn't institute all the great changes that Dan Morin talked about in a in a long ago article on MacWorld.com. But I I think it's a much improved feature and that it actually um, it's actually um, um, makes people feel um, involved about gaming on the iOS platform. Now. Well, we can say this for sure: it's it's Apple's most successful social network. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ping. <laughs> See, there were negative again already. Yeah. Hey, yeah, but not about each no, other. No, about Game Apple Center is much better. Game Center is better, and you can put in a photo of yourself now, and yes. so you can recognize them and say, "Hey, that's the, that's that guy I know." Yeah. Well, and you can also have you can look up your friends and see who their friends are, which definitely provides a more organic way of finding people that you might want to be friends with on Game Center, and it recommends games that you can buy without even leaving the app, and it's got. These uh, expansions to uh, turn-by-turn games, which are the games I think apps have to implement individually, but it right. should make turn-based games a lot uh, a lot simpler for people to do. I mean, it, it is not all the way there, but it's definitely a marked improvement over the first version. Well, if you thought the uh, podcast was, was hostile and negative before, oh man, wait till I ask this question. Least favorite feature in iOS 5, the feature that features that might not be... Uh, not, might not be fully baked yet, and I, I think we're going to – I'm going to predict we're going to have a winner by acclamation here. So let me just go around the table with uh, – with start with Dan Morin this time. I'm going to say specifically the thing that bugs me is uh, in the Reminders app, mm. um, 
they, they Apple, you know, implemented this this cool system for location based reminders, which is to say, when you're leaving or arriving at a specific place, it can tell you that you need to do something. Remind me when I leave home that I should, you know, take my uh, take out the garbage or something. Um, and I think this is this is great, um, but the the system for setting it up is is a little weird in that it either only re- lets you do it for your current location, or it only lets you do it for a location that you have associated with a particular contact, which is insane. <laughs> I, I don't know why uh, why you would not want to be able to just specify a, a arbitrary location. Like uh, when I go to the post office, remind me to uh, buy stamps in addition to mailing my letters. Uh, when I go to this, you know, the library, remind me to drop off that book or something. I mean, you know, something where it's like you don't want to have to make contact records for every single place that you ever go. It, it doesn't make any sense. And so I think that's just – it's somewhat half-baked, as you said. Uh, Lex Friedman? Well, I have two big objections. One is in the Reminders Yo! app. What I think is – what's dopey to me in the Reminders app is all of these – the details fields. You know, I can say I'm going to add a priority or a, a, yeah, a priority level to an individual to-do list entry, and nothing happens with that to-do list entry. It gets synced back to iCal, but it's not reflected anywhere unless I go back and look at that individual – to-do lists, to-do entries, uh, edit screen again, which is dopey. It just doesn't make any sense to put that feature there if you're not going to give any attention to it. I also think that, you know, uh, there's parts of reminders that you can really like, but it's just the the whole process feels a little bit um, unfinished, unpolished. When you're entering in a task, you, you have to tap off of a new task as you enter it before you can do anything there's you can't just you know hit return or hit a done button and move on it's a lot of it is just clunky i think anybody who uses that app would realize that it is it, it excuse me that it feels a little bit unfinished the other thing that really bugs me in ios 5 and to his credit dan pointed this out too is that the twitter integration seems like such a good idea and it's the parts that work well really work well, but the parts that are, are funky are really very funky, like the inability for many of us on Macworld staff to successfully autocomplete each other's names. It, it can autocomplete some of my uh, the people I follow's usernames when I type away in Apple's tweet sheet, but it can't autocomplete everybody's, and I, I don't understand why that is. Jason. I like how Lex gives two answers to everything. It's yeah. like he's, he's, he's providing value. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in case we we shout down his first answer, he's got a backup. <laughs> he's got a backup. Yeah, it's a good strategy. Um, I really don't like the music app on the iPad. Oh, really? It's completely rewritten. It does not resemble the music app, formerly known as the iPod app, by the way, which I think we're rapidly reaching the point where, where somebody's going to say, Mommy, what's an iPod? Right? <laughs> so especially the silhouette of the iPod app, which was that picture of an, a classic iPod. So it's t- time to move on. Call it music like they already did on the iPod Touch. But on the iPad it's been redesigned and it's got this kind of weird wooden bevel around it and it's got a very album cover art kind of uh, organizational principle where if you want to view like a list of artists, it shows you a series of squares with the names of the artists in alphabetical order and a randomly selected, I guess, album cover, um, which doesn't strike me as being particularly easy to scan. Um, it just they completely rethought it, and I, I don't have a problem with them changing it because they can take advantage of the space on the iPad. But 
you know, I just don't like it. I don't like how it looks. It doesn't feel more efficient or effective or enjoyable to use. It feels like I kind of have to fight it every stretch of the way. It's got the weird kind of status bar up at the top. It doesn't really feel like iTunes on the Mac or the iPhone, both of which I think are perfectly fine interfaces for this sort of thing. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a there's a form over function value in it. It, it reeks very much of like one person was like, I really want to redesign the music app, and we need to have as many album covers as possible. Which you know, Apple perhaps this came from Steve Jobs, I don't know, but Apple ha- as a company is obsessed with album cover art, and sometimes at the cost of of usability, I think. And well, I, well, I see that here. Frustrating. I have a list. I have hundreds of artists, and every single right. one of them has a square, and half of those have it's an empty square because it couldn't right. figure out what my album art was, which I also don't understand. And that's just infuriating. If I've got hundreds of artists, I want a fast way to go through them and pick out a name. And instead, the name is small and it's truncated and then there's a random picture. It's just, it's, so I don't like it. I think, I, I think they need to do a lot of work on it. it I think it, it's a mistake. So that's I, the one I, I don't like. I was going to cite the Reminders app for, um, for the reasons that, that Dan and Lex already uh, detailed. And it doesn't work either, right? I, I actually set up some reminders mm-hmm. with the geofencing on and i had one when dan was in the office last week i i made a reminder to tell when i got to work to give a flash drive to dan and i, I left that reminder there and and uh you know like five days later when i came to work it went off finally <laughs> which i don't really understand so i found it to be really unreliable on yeah. top of everything else every, every time apple um has the has the where they unveil what's going to be in in the ios and and there's that that rush of well, what does it mean for for third party developers? Oh, did did someone's app just become uh, uh, obsolete? Let me assure you, task management uh, app makers, you're safe for now. You've got well, plus you have a lot of opportunity in front of you. Yeah, you've got a you've got a big wide you 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 will face no threat from reminders. So um, so there you go. Um, uh, we're recording this a, a little bit earlier than um, than when it's running, so all this could be resolved by then. But there were some some download problems initially when um, when iOS five was released. Um, I certainly had a few, not downloading it, but installing it. Um, it would try and go to the server and then tell me that I couldn't because the server was busy. And um, uh, people are having a few problems with iCloud. I notice. Uh, 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 the day after that was launched, uh, are are these issues that we that that are going to be worked through? Are these issues that are of concern? In a way, is it a compliment to Apple that so many people are interested in in downloading iOS five that they they seemingly uh, uh, crash the server? I'll just I'll throw that out there for the uh, for the uh, the the esteemed panelists to to chew over. Yeah, I mean. It's tough. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, and launching new services is definitely hard, especially with the volume that they're going to hit. Um, you know, I, I had a, I got into a discussion with someone on Twitter today about whether or not you know he was very upset that he couldn't you know his his iCloud mail was down as was mine this morning, um, and it's definitely frustrating. At the same time, I think I'm willing to reserve judgment until we're at least you know a week into this or something once the initial demand because by all indications yesterday had an enormous amount of demand. There were some stories floating around about. ISPs in the UK elsewhere that just seeing this like huge amounts of traffic surges. Um, and I definitely, I was in a cafe yesterday afternoon and I saw a guy trying to update to iCloud and I just sort of looked over him and shook my head sadly. Um, I think, I think that there's just, you know, there's a lot going on right now. And I think as they learned uh, several years ago with the mobile me launch, um, you know, 
and maybe they learned maybe they didn't but you know the mobile me launched on the same day that they launched i believe the iphone 3g um and also iphone I, I what was called iphone 3.0 at the time i believe all right so they, they jammed all that in the same day and right. it was it was an unmitigated disaster and i think you know everybody was like well they shouldn't have tried to do so much and surprisingly enough it given how much stuff they did yesterday or sorry the day that that was released the, that they did um, wednesday october 11th uh, uh right. many that, uh uh, ridiculous number of updates, right. you know, iCloud, iOS 5, Mac all OS this 10 stuff. even, uh, Safari. I mean, there are definitely problems, but it still seems to me like it went smoother than mm-hmm. with mobile me. And so I think, you know, that we've got like a diminishing level of returns there over the next week. I'm sure that everything will pretty much work out. And obviously if it doesn't, we'll definitely tell you about that. But um, I, I think I agree, Dan, with your your general description, but I don't know if I share your conclusion. I mean, it's certainly, I agree, it was not as bad as the, the mobile me debacle of years past, but I feel like uh, in two ways, Apple should know better. First, if, if the company had any concerns about being able to reasonably stream these fi- these updates files for people to download, they didn't have to release them all in one day. It would have been okay if, you know, 10.7.2 came out the day before, or if some of their new apps came out the day after. Um, but, you know, the fact that, you know, these downloads initially, you know, my mom lives in Tucson and she was able to download her iOS update in 15 minutes because apparently she's the only person in Tucson downloading that file. But here, you know, my iOS updates were taking three hours apiece. The, uh, just the, the, the relatively small iPhoto update that came out, uh, was, uh, Again, took, you know, 45 minutes for a, a, a relatively small file. And so one, Apple should be able to, to game plan these things if they're not all, I understand that many of them sort of depended on each other, but it seems like there could have been, you know, it would have been okay if Apple rolled out an update to iPhoto before you were able to use the new iPhoto, uh, you know, photo well, streaming feature, let's say. Yeah, but we don't know how well those things don't play, you know, play together or play separately. It may be that iPhoto 9.2 just wouldn't have launched, you know, and that would have upset a lot of people. Right. No, I that's mean, fair. But I mean, I think the other piece of it is if Apple wants us to be able to depend on iCloud, I, I don't have any problem with, you know, early, you know, iCloud mail downtime, let's say this morning, it's a brand or whenever day it was, <laughs> it's an, it's a, it's a brand new service and it takes Last time. week. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I can understand that, but if Apple wants to be able to provide, you know, iTunes, uh, music that can stream to, you know, millions and millions of iOS customers and data to millions and millions of iOS customers, they've got to be sure that they can reliably serve that data even when millions of people want to use it. I don't think the game plan should be let's offer these cloud based services, especially the music streaming uh, or movie streaming, and just hope that not everybody uses it once. I, I just don't think it's a representative sample at this point. So, I mean, I guess I, I agree with you that they should definitely have this stuff together, but I, I think that there is a longer time period here over which the performance should be judged. I, I think it's safe to say, though, it is it is not an experience you would associate with Apple. Yeah. Well, except you would associate it with every other iOS upgrade that's happened from Apple because they've all been they've all been plagued by this problem, right? And I think the demand for Apple's products is growing faster than Apple is scaling its infrastructure because I think Apple is dramatically boosting its capacity, but yet the products are so popular and everybody wants to get these things day one. I was thinking back when I was a TiVo user, back in the early days of TiVo, they would push out software updates and it was infuriating because there was an internet place, a forum you could go to and people were 
talking about the new software update that enabled all these awesome features. And they rolled that out over two weeks. And it was infuriating to know that some guy down the road had gotten it and I hadn't. And TiVo did that because they didn't want their servers to get swamped. So they, they would basically, uh, you know, depending on the, the device ID of your TiVo, you would get it or you wouldn't. And they could roll it out. You know, Apple could do that. Imagine how crazy people would oh, get if, if if they did that, where it's like showing up for some people but not other people. So it, it's tough. I, I, I agree it is not a good experience and all the people who – uh, the good news is it's mostly the dedicated, you know, people who love their Apple stuff who want to upgrade on day one, and so maybe they're uh, going to be a bit forgiving. And Apple did learn the lesson of not having this all roll out the day that they also have a new phone in stores. They they they're trying to get everything clear cleaned up so that the launch that happened last Friday would go as you know smoother than if it had happened last Wednesday. But uh, but still, you know, it, it this sort of thing, it's tough. It shows that it, how hard it is to keep up with this kind of demand. We all saw it ourselves uh, when they did their little uh, their uh, product rollout and every site on the internet, including ours, crashed because of the demand for information about the iPhone. The iPhone is huge. And obviously, Apple is having, having trouble. But I, I agree with Dan that uh, over time... Uh, the reliability is going to be the question. I, I think people, I think Apple will do okay if the only thing that happens is some errors and sluggishness on day one of an OS update. Also, maybe the auto update thing will make this less of a, an issue. Maybe right. Well, and there's smaller updates yeah. too. I think. Um, I think I think um, I wanted to wrap this up by um, going back to something uh, Dan said at the beginning of the podcast, talking about the. Um, the far-reaching aspects of the of this update, particularly as it relates to PC, the the PC-free capabilities. Um, obviously, you know, it's it's been out a week. The the iOS update, uh, kind of hard to 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 judge its place in history. I don't want to try and do that because we'll we'll just look very silly doing that. But uh, try and can we can we put some sort of um, just to, to wrap up this podcast, can we put this in some sort of uh, context, this release? What what Apple's trying to do here? What what it means for the iOS platform going forward? Um, let's let's uh, let's begin with the man who um, who has spent so much time with iOS five, Dan Morin, to try well, to try and put a neat little <laughs> to wrap bow. this all up. Gee, yeah. it's place in history. Now, um, I think you know, as I said off the top, I think that it's a really important part of the strategy and. I mean, I wrote another piece right around the time the iPad came out about what I thought the the iPad represented, and that was sort of a third computing revolution, a com- like a computer that was accessible for a lot more people than even a PC was. And I think that's clearly what Apple's been shooting for, but they've they've rolled it out slowly. You know, they everything prior to prior to this has been every you know digital device that Apple makes that's not a Mac has in some ways been treated as a as an accessory to a to a computer. Um, and I think going forward, what they're they're really delivering now on this promise that you know this can be a device that is separate um, from your computer and that doesn't depend on your computer, and that if you don't even have a computer, it's fine. You can just use it. And there's a lot of potential for where you can deploy those kind of devices. It means that you know if you're an educator or you're uh, work at a large company or something like that, you can you can roll out a bunch of these devices to to people without having to worry about oh god, do I need to sync it with something? Well, you know, especially I'm thinking about this is a great opportunity for for developing nations where you know if you provided a bunch of you know iPads 
there's a lot that that kids in in countries who or places who that they can't afford you know a computer for every student there's a lot that you can do with an iPad or an iPod touch for every student and not needing to to have them constantly oh we can't do that here we need to plug it into the computer i think is incredibly freeing and it it makes a lot of uh, it opens up a lot of possibilities for us seeing as the seeing these become the devices that uh, if not you know succeed pcs it's at least become the most prevalent form of personal computing lex jason anything to 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 add there i mean to me the what i think is very significant about this update from that perspective is you know my sister in law for example works at an office has a computer but then at night she didn't feel like she needed a computer she just wanted something to you know as i think we've all of us have heard less techie people say you know she just needs something to to do email and internet so she wanted uh, a device that she could surf the web with and check her email so i suggested that she get an ipad which she did she actually still has an original ipad uh that she loves but they you know they originally had to set it up for her at the apple store because she didn't have a mac uh or a pc at home and that led eventually to trouble for her. You know, if she wanted to uh, back it up, when she went to back it up, then it said, you know, after she'd been using it for a long time, then it said, well, I have a software update for you. And then she said, if you install this, and this was, you know, months ago, if you install this software update, we're going to wipe out everything that's there because this iPad was previously linked to another computer. It was clear that Apple never thought that you should set up an iPad anywhere but on your own computer. And doing it at the Apple store could work if you never wanted to sync it to another computer again or risk losing your stuff. I think now that we can very confidently tell people that if they don't feel like they need a computer, a full computer to to keep in the home, that an iPad could work for them as a a tablet device to get most of the stuff they want to do done. I think that's very impressive. I think the PC free part really is huge, and um, they they've made that process as as close to brain dead simple as Apple had been able to do on the Mac as well when you first start, launch one of those and are ready to set it up. Uh, and I, I think it's very smart. And I, I will now be able to rest much easier when I'm telling people that they could, yes, they could probably make an iPad work as their sole computer if their computing needs are minimal. Yeah, I think all I would add is um, Apple was way out in front on the mobile operating system thing with the original release of you know iOS, which was just iPhone 1.0 with the original iPhone in 2007. And it – I don't want to say it cut a lot of corners. It made a lot of decisions to leave things out because it was trying to get that product out and it made some compromises because it was uh, – they weren't – that important at the time. And some of Apple's competitors, I think most notably Android, followed. And because they had more time and uh, were from a a company that had some existing services online... um, And and let's be frank, they had a good roadmap stuff. Provided by them. well, that, yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. the key. That that Android, you know, when when the, it was time to build Android, they they the people at Google said, well, you know, here's what we should do is we need to have everybody tie into our Google ID that everybody's already got, and it's got email and it's got calendar, and they did all of that. And Apple, although ha- Apple has uh, benefited from being first with um, with the iPhone and and defining that market and also defining the tablet market with the iPad. Apple has had the legacy of a basically an older conception of how this stuff would work, and it's uh, there's a lot in iOS five that is about cleaning up, and and yes, in some ways it is about catching up with features that are on competitive platforms, including Android. On another way, it really is just about Apple um, moving from a mindset that was based in 2006 and 2007 to to moving to today when 
speeds are faster and and uh, you know cloud services are something everybody understands in a way that they didn't back when the first iPhone was being conceived. So there's a lot of that. I feel like, um, and I think Dan made some of these points. This is Apple really. Um, being able to reconceive some of the things about the iPhone and the iOS for the first time um, just because they've been working off the legacy of 2007 for so long. And now it's time with iOS 5 for them to say, no, some of those assumptions we made back then aren't true anymore, and now we're going to do it this new way, which is exciting. And I think for people like Lex's mom, and I think my mom would fall into this category too, You know, it's big to be able to say you don't actually have to have a computer. That's just a huge step for Apple to do that. Just to, just to add one thing on top of that, I can remember when I thought I needed a desktop no matter where, you know, at my home, no matter what I was doing. And then, you know, I lived for several years with just using a laptop as my primary computer. And it was, I suddenly realized, wow, I, I didn't really need all of that, you know, that huge computer taking up all that space. And I don't think I'm ready yet to, to get to the point, obviously, where I, I use an iPad as my sole computing device. But I can see that coming down the road, you know, in whether it be five or 10 years away. I think that, that it's, getting, it's getting closer to that. See, we can end on a positive note. We can all get along. We can all we, we can put aside I love the hostility. Our, our iPads will bring us together. Mm-hmm. Now that I can find my friends, yes. finally. Yes, indeed. Um, I think that wraps up this podcast. I think I I uh, should thank Dan Morin. Thanks, Phil. Lex Friedman. My pleasure. Especially Jason Snell. I love all of you. And <laughs> of course, you listeners are the true people that we love. Thank you for joining us once again. I'm Philip Michaels. This has been the Macworld Podcast. 